This is the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy. Independent news commentary with a California perspective. Season 8, Episode 4, Ranch to Table Meat Supply. If you have lemons, make lemonade. Talking to Adam Parks, owner of the Victorian Farmstead Meat Company. In today's episode, we'll talk to an entrepreneur in the farm-to-table business, which is so active in Sonoma County. Sonoma, with its many ranches, farms, dairies, wineries, and fisheries, is ground zero for the San Francisco Bay Area foodie culture. Our history as a leader in food innovation goes back to the 19th century when agronomist Luther Burbank created new strains of fruit, vegetables, and flowers at his experimental farm in Sebastopol. The town of 7,500 has grown into a food purist's mecca with a dozen or more restaurants offering farm-fresh cuisine from locally grown produce. But the 2020 COVID pandemic endangered many American industries, including big agribusiness food production. Meat processing was especially devastated. In a recent study by UC Davis, the leading agricultural university in California, it was revealed that 334,000 cases of COVID-19 were attributable to meatpacking plants, and they resulted in an $11 billion economic hit. It found that beef and pork packing plants more than doubled COVID per capita infection rates in counties that had large meat processing facilities. In fact, both the infection numbers and the economic losses that I cited are likely on the conservative end of the scale. As a result of the very high COVID transmission rates around meatpacking plants, critics have called for smaller, more geographically dispersed slaughterhouses, making them less susceptible to pandemics and massive disruptions in the food supply chain. Who can forget the empty meat coolers at our local supermarkets in the spring of 2020 when beef, chicken, and pork were in short supply. Of course, moving from massive industrial-scale meat processing plants to smaller dispersed facilities will create duplication and increase prices. As consumers grew more concerned about healthy meat supplies, declining demand for meat had a knock-on effect, exacerbating the rush to shut down and sanitize the meatpacking plants. At the same time, consumers showed that they were willing to pay a little more to know that their meat supply was locally produced in clean, COVID-free facilities. Enter the Victorian Farmstead Meat Company, a Sonoma County sustainable meat supplier. Founded in 2011, by Adam and Laura Parks, their company delivers farm-fresh beef, pork, and poultry to 500 homes per month. They also sell their meat 
at 10 farmers markets every week. Adam was raised on a 1,000 acre sheep ranch in Tamales, California, close to Sebastopol. And he studied agribusiness at Cal Poly, San Luis Obispo, with his deep roots and contact with Sonoma County's ranch and farming community, he's able to source his farm fresh meat from many family-owned enterprises throughout Sonoma and Marin counties. And his sales have skyrocketed with the advent of the COVID pandemic. Joining us from his home in Sebastopol, California, is Adam Parks. Welcome to the show, Adam. Thanks, Jim. It's a pleasure to be here. I really appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. Adam, why don't you take a couple of moments and tell our listeners how you started your business, the Victorian Free Farmstead Meat Company. Sure. Um, We, my wife and I, my wife Laura and I had a very young family at the time in 2008, and we kind of lost everything in the uh, economic crisis of 2008. I would love to blame it all on the big banks and the mortgage companies and all that, but there was plenty of bad decisions by myself that uh, led to that. Um, We were super fortunate in that my grandfather, uh, Colonel Marvin Good, retired from the Air Force and bought this beautiful little five-acre farm in Sebastopol. And so there was a house available or made available to us, and so we packed up our young kids and uh, moved back to uh, what used to be my grandparents' farm. And kind of the first order of business was to feed everybody. We had a big extended family living on the property. There's three houses here. And so uh, based on my roots growing up on a ranch and, and all that, I knew how to raise animals. So we bought 25 meat chickens and a couple of piglets, and we had some sheep already on the property. And uh, uh-huh. I said about filling the uh, family freezers. And in the course of doing that, I uh, got in touch with some old pals that were local ranchers and and whatnot. And Laura and I started to think that there was a way that we could get this incredible meat that's raised in Northern California. Instead of getting it off to the feedlots, we could get it in the hands of local consumers. And uh, we chose the farmer's market, the local farmer's markets, as a way to do that. And so that was kind of the genesis. We went through several different iterations of, of uh, how we were going to grow the business. And at the end of the day, what co- consumers really wanted at the farmer's market was fresh cuts of meat that they could identify. Um, what little meat was sold at farmer's markets back then in 2010 and 2011 was uh, generally, you know, a guy would show up with a, a bunch of coolers full of white wrapped, white paper wrapped meat that had red stamps on it from the local uh, cut and wrap facility. And, but they were frozen bricks of meat. You couldn't tell what they were other than the red stamp. And so we started working with the county and the health inspectors and everything and convinced them that we knew how to bring fresh cryo-backed meat to the market and, and display it safely and deliver it to the consumer safely. And so we were one of the first businesses out there that would uh, that brought fresh meat um, to the uh, farmer's markets. And that's kind of what, you know, that's how we made our name. Um, there was a lot of work and a lot of convincing the farmer's market managers that we could do this. Um, there was a lot of working with the health departments to convince them that we could do this. But uh, that was really the genesis of our business. You know, it's interesting. I, um, from time to time, when when we're up at our home in Sebastopol, we'll go to the farmer's market, the one, the one in Sebastopol. And I've seen your stand there at the, um, at the farmer's market. And it's, it's so impressive to actually see... Fresh meat, uh, obviously, um, you know, under under wraps, etc. But to see fresh meat and see it presented 
right there out in in uh, in the fresh air. I'm, it's very impressive, and so I've seen and I've bought your product, so uh, I can I can I can tell the tale. It's a it's a lot of ice, Jim. It's a lot of ice. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, you know, tell us about tell us. So you got your start. Uh, about five or six, uh, uh, five or six, seven years ago, and now, now tell us what happened when COVID came along. How did that transform your business? Sure. So we we actually started in 2010. So we are uh, we're coming in on uh, this month is our 11th anniversary. Congratulations! And, uh, kind of the the thank you. Uh, there was several times over that 11 years where I never thought we would see, uh, you know, our 10th anniversary, let alone our 11th or probably our fifth for that matter. Um, but the genesis of the business, the kind of the leaps that we took over the course of the last decade, um, about a year after we started, we, we rolled out our meat CSA, uh, which stands for community supported agriculture. And ostensibly it's a, it's a subscription to what we do. So, uh, our customers, um, uh, purchase a subscription. And back then, that was super valuable because it gave us a cash infusion sure. um, without having to take out debt take on debt. So um, customers would pay six or 12 months in advance and they would get a discount and then we would supply them with meat over the course of that period. Um, now we still offer the same thing, but we've grown a bit. And so we don't really need that large infusion of cash. Um, if anybody has a large infusion of cash, I'm happy to put it to work for you, but uh, we don't need it for our day-to-day operations. And so customers now pay as they go, um, and we give them a discount based on the consistency that we know those orders are coming in. And then in uh, 2013, in November of 2013, um, there was a new marketplace being developed in Sebastopol called the Barlow. Right. And uh, w- the big anchor store there is Community Market, which right. is a uh, employee-owned marketplace, uh, grocery store basically. Um, you know, well, all organic produce, all organic uh, products, et cetera. And uh, I couldn't pencil out affording to build a butcher shop in the Barlow, but I did manage to convince the general manager at the time that they could fit us in there and we didn't need much space. And so she took me at my word and we carved out a 100 square foot, 10 by 10 uh, butcher shop with an eight foot case. And that has been our home and our production facility um, for the last almost eight years now. And congratulations. I mean, that's, I mean, that's the entrepreneurial, there is an example of being an entrepreneur, right, (laughs) right there. And you say it so easily, so casually, but I bet there was a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into that uh, eight foot case at the, uh, at the community market in Sebastopol. It is, uh, I've, I've had a few guys that own other shops. There's a community of us throughout the country. Um, and I've had a few other guys that kind of do what we do and, and they, uh, when they're visiting California, Northern California, they swung by and Hey, nice to finally meet you in person and all that. And they are floored at, uh, the size of the, the space that we work in. Um, but more importantly, the amount of meat, because we have so many sales spokes between the farmer's markets and now home delivery and overnight shipping and everything, um, all the meat has to go through that. Uh, that little hundred square foot spot. So uh, people in the business are floored by the uh, the amount of meat that we push through there for sure. That's amazing. And then when we got into uh, COVID uh, last year, one of the things that Laura and I had talked about for years was home delivery. Uh-huh. Um, I used to myself and another partner owned a business called Terra Firma in the midst of owning Victorian Farmstead, and they they are a similar business, but they do exclusively home delivery. 
And I always wanted to do home delivery for Victorian Farmstead, and we couldn't scale it. We couldn't get enough people in one location to justify it. So when COVID broke out on March 13th of last year, um, we sat down and tried to figure out how we could help and how we could be part of the solution and and not really knowing, but we thought one of the things that people might be interested in is having meat delivered to their door as, you know, nobody knew, at the, you know, two days into it, you know, how long were grocery stores going to stay open and, and where were they going to get their food and so on. And so we opted to, we decided to put it out in our newsletter that we would offer home delivery uh, for free for a couple of weeks and just see what, you know, people were interested in it. And we were flooded with requests and um, it really took us by surprise. Um, but, you know, we were fortunate. We had three vans that sat idle three days a week because those were the days that we didn't do farmer's markets. Uh-huh. And uh, so we found a couple of people that were willing to drive and to test this out with us. And we just started compiling them and kind of putting them in groups on an Excel spreadsheet. And, and uh, the guys in the in the, um, the packers uh, at the ranch that put everything together just started putting it together and off we went in little plastic bags that looked awful, but we got people their meat. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, at this point, we didn't do a lot of this stuff, so we were packing out of the carport at the ranch. Um, we had six chest freezers, you know, in a carport exposed – you know, chest freezers exposed to the elements and rain or shine. We were out there, you know, packing boxes and putting farmer's market stuff together and everything. And, uh, but that home delivery really took off. And that was the, that was the massive leap that's allowed us to grow to the extent that we have now. We now have a, uh, 3,000 square foot warehouse that we work out of with two, uh, 150 square foot, uh, a walk-in freezer and a walk-in cooler. And we bought a couple more vans. And so it's, it's, massively different than what we were dealing with uh, a year and a half ago. Congratulations. That's so exciting. You know, I'm familiar with the the home delivery concept with vegetables. Um, during the week, we live here in San Francisco. So quite a few of our friends and neighbors have, have home delivery of vegetables from Sonoma County to the front door uh, here in the city. And the way that works, you'll get a box on your front doorstep and it will have a week's worth of fruit and vegetables. And essentially, uh, it's up to you to use your creativity, your chef's creativity, to plan your menu for the week to use all of those fresh seasonal fruits and vegetables. So how how is your offering different? Because I would imagine that your your customers ask for you know five pounds of beef uh two pounds of bacon how does how is it different from the delivery of of uh, vegetables and fruits i think it's you know it's you know when you talk i think there's two different ways that we do our subscription service one is you get a steeper discount if i get to pick or my staff gets to pick what goes into your box okay um so that's a way for us to control the 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 inventory that we have in our freezer right so if we're long in lamb leg steaks this week, those are going to go in the subscription box. Um, we offered a couple of different ways, uh, whether you have a large family and you, or you're just trying to make meals with a lot of leftovers. We have a family box. Um, if you're single or a couple and you want uh, individual portions and a wider variety, we have what we call a premium box. Um, those come with a 30 to 40% discount off of our retail prices because it's helping us maintain our inventory because we pick what goes into it. Um, we also do offer a custom box where you as a subscriber get to pick exactly what goes into your box. And depending on how much you spend, you get a 15 or 20% discount um, off of our retail pricing to do it that way. It is, it's very, a very common path for a new subscriber is to pick one of our standard boxes, like a premium box or a, 
uh, family box, go through it for about six months. And then that, that kind of gives them, you know, we try to do a good job of making sure you're not getting the same thing every time. Right. Um, you get a pretty good variety. You are sure to get some cuts that you've never heard of if you're not a butcher, right? There's mm-hmm. going to be some things in there that most people have never bought a lamb shoulder chop, for example, or a Barnsley chop or, you know, a beef, a beef flat iron. And so it is kind of fun. I think a lot of people get a kick out of, you know, when we started this back in 2011, the internet wasn't really what it is today. So people were demanding recipe cards and, you know, what the heck am I supposed to do with this cut or that cut? <laughs> um, now, you know, thanks to the evolution of Google, um, you can just speak it into your phone and it gives you 5,000 different recipes. And then two or three of those are actually correct. And you're able to pretty much figure out what to do with anything that you're presented with, whether it's meat or vegetables or anything else for that matter. Um, so that certainly has been great for us. Um, but usually people, you know, they'll go with those boxes for six months, a year, um, and then convert over to custom because now they've kind of figured out what they like and what they don't like and, and whatnot. Um, so we're pretty flexible as far as that goes, um, to make sure that people are, I, I, you know, vegetables are a little bit different because they're, you know, you're, you, you don't have the dollar figure attached to them that you do with meat. Um, so we try to make sure that people are getting stuff that they can definitely use. Now, how far afield do you deliver from, uh, Sonoma and Marin counties? Well, we, so home delivery where we, where we're actually doing the delivery ourselves, uh, we go, I, I just, for the first time in probably nine months, I did a delivery route yesterday and, uh, I went from Sebastopol and I delivered through Marin County, through San Francisco and down to San Jose. Um, we have an East Bay route, uh, that one of my drivers did yesterday where that covers everything from basically the entire East Bay, Richmond out to Pleasanton, down to Milpitas. Uh-huh. Uh, we have a North Bay route, which encompasses Sonoma County, Napa County, and up into Cloverdale uh, and out to the coast if, if there's anybody out there. Um, and uh, then we've got a – nope, that's, that's all of our routes right now. We have three routes a week right now. Um, but then we ship anywhere in, uh, anywhere in the western United States. There's 11 states that we can ship to for $25. Bucks. Um, we ship out every Tuesday, and it's either one or two-day uh, shipping. Um, and quite honestly, we're happy to ship anywhere in the country. Um, it gets a little pricey outside those 11 states. Um, but usually it ends up being about $60 to ship anywhere else. That's amazing. I wasn't aware that you would ship to San Francisco or San Jose. Now, how does that work, for instance, for working people? Um, if, if the delivery is made at 11 o'clock in the morning, people are out at work. Um, is it, is it packed in such a way that it's, it's frozen so that when they get home at five o'clock, they can just take it in off the porch and, uh, it'll be fine. Yeah. You know, uh, one of the, yes, to answer your question. Yeah. Everything, everything comes frozen. Um, we have these pretty little insulated bags that are prettier than they are effective, but they do keep things relatively cold. They're not Yetis or anything, but, um, one of the, one of the things with COVID is that the vast majority of our customers are home. Yes. Uh, right. Because, you know, people haven't really gotten back to the office yet. Um, in my deliveries yesterday, I did 25 deliveries yesterday. And I think there was only three or four uh, where the person wasn't home. Um, but, yeah, it is set up in a way um, people are very comfortable leaving a cooler out if they're not going to be around. And we'll just throw it into their cooler. Um, and uh, we haven't had any problems with that so far. Uh, the biggest problem we have is the occasional porch pirate where people have claimed that, you know, have said that their bag got stolen or whatever. And so we just have to figure out a better way to uh, to kind of take care of that. But 
uh, generally speaking, that has not been a problem. Um, in my perfect world, I would love to send my delivery drivers out at midnight and have them be done by four or five in the morning, uh, where there's no traffic and, and anything like that. Um, and so that's something that as we increase the number of deliveries will probably move to. That's what we used to do at Terra Firma mm-hmm. Farms. And you'll you'll also ship uh, out of state? Yeah, there's a company called GLS that we use. It used to be GSO. Um, they do our overnight shipping, um, and they have a about 11 states that they service, um, and their rates are very reasonable, so we can afford to ship for $25 flat rate for about 30 up to 30 pounds of meat. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we box that up in an insulated, uh, with ice packs and an insulated liner and uh, no styrofoam. And we, uh, yeah, we ship out every Tuesday and uh, we usually send out six to 12 boxes a week. Now give us a sense of your, uh, of your customers, Adam. Um, are your customers typically the gourmet uh, cook type people? Are they very much into sustainable ecology and that sort of thing? Or are they, are they a little bit more conscious of sustainability and the environment and higher quality food than, uh, than, than most other people? Is it okay if I choose D all of the above? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, when, you know, when we first started out, there was this massive divide between the cost of what we did and the cost of what you could get at the grocery store. I, right. I used to do, you know, a ton of farmer's markets myself. And, you know, the conversations always started with, oh, I just got the best organic steak from Costco, Um, you know, or I got the or I always get organic chicken from, you know, wherever. Um, I think that there's a couple things that happened. One is that um, as COVID kind of got rolling, we found out that um, in America, we have a very, very, very efficient delivery system right and today we're talking about food but it could be you know just go to amazon you can get anything delivered to your house tomorrow if you want um and it's so it's incredibly efficient what it also is is incredibly fragile Mm -hmm. and as soon as you put one grain of sand into the middle of that massive machine all hell breaks loose Mm -hmm. and we saw that particularly with the meat uh industry as you alluded to in your opening today um you know seven percent of the national pork supply shut down overnight because two guys got sick in iowa Mm-hmm. Um, and that spread like wildfire. Um, and I think you're right. I think the study out of Davis is absolutely correct that it was, that's a very low estimate. Um, one of the advantages that we have is that we're super flexible. Um, we can pivot on a dime as we showed when we went to home delivery the day after COVID broke out. Um, to answer your question, the reason I bring all that up and answer your question is I think our customer base has changed pretty dramatically in the last year. And that's because people came to realize the true cost of food. Mm-hmm. Um, they came to realize that what they were getting in a grocery store, what they can get today in a grocery store, there's a reason you can get $1.99 a pound chicken. Um, think about it this way. If you go into a grocery store and you're paying $1.99 for a three-pound chicken, you're paying 6 bucks. So you are expecting that for $6, a farmer somewhere in the, middle, in the Midwest of, of America has taken a baby chick – hatched it out of an egg, put it into a barn, fed it for 35 to 42 days, trying to keep it alive, mm-hmm. then taken that chick and hauled it someplace to a processing plant where uh, a series of events happened so that that bird is now processed and retail ready. It's then packaged up, sent to uh, uh, some local mega mart in your neighborhood, a Safeway or Lucky's or whatever. They take that chicken, they break it down into its parts or whatever, or they, in this case, you're selling it whole. So they package up and put it on the shelf 
and sell it whole to you for $6. Logically, that's just not possible. Right. Um, it doesn't make any sense. How the heck could you possibly do that for $6? Um, I won't go pick up that chicken for $6 most of the time. Mm -hmm. So my point is, is that people have started to realize that the local, uh, the massive industrial agricultural machine in this country is not sustainable and is not the true cost of food. It's subsidized. Mm -hmm. um, that subsidy comes in the form of free grain. When we make gasoline, there's corn mash that comes from making ethanol. So that's given to farmers to feed their animals. That's a subsidy. They don't have to pay for feed that way. I was aware um, of that. Yeah, it's terrible feed, right? It's a horrible quality, but it'll fatten a cow really quick because it's all sugar. Um, so I think what happened is, is that my customer complexion changed dramatically. People were more interested in getting clean food because mm -hmm. all of a sudden their health was paramount. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm eating matters because I don't want to get sick. I can't afford to get sick because getting sick might lead to COVID. Mm -hmm. um, I, need the, I don't want to go outside my home and get sick, so I want the food delivered to me. And I know that this guy in Sebastopol has clean food, clean meat, and will deliver it to my home. It's a little pricier, but not as much as I thought it was. Um, we've been super excited that, um, the way that we've kind of measured retention when, uh, my son and I and my wife get together and, and look at our business plan is we've really looked at subscribers and the people that subscribe, we had a, a, a massive increase in subscriptions, um, because people wanted to lock down their, their place in line. They wanted to make sure we were, you know, we were going to run out of stuff during COVID. We're, we're sure. small. We, we, we've got a lot of great ranchers, but it's not like you can just get an, an extra hundred cows out and process them the next day. And so we had people getting in line by getting subscriptions because they were always filled first. And uh, we have about an 80% retention on those subscriptions after they, they went through their first six months. That's really, and so we're pretty proud of that. That is really impressive, and it's something to be very proud of. Now, now you're sourcing not only from Sonoma and Marin counties, as I said in my opening comments, but also from more broadly from Northern California. Um, and the sources of your beef and your pork and your chicken, are they individual family-owned farms? Are they corporate farms? Is it a mix of two? Give us a sense of who you source your your meat from sure we i mean we there's a decision in in the evolution of this type of business um when you concentrate on super locally well-raised sustainably raised regeneratively raised whatever adjective you want to use uh meat um there comes a time when you have to make a decision and that is do i expand my sources by expanding my carbon footprint and going further away from my home base yes. and get the best and get the best possible, most sustainably raised meat, or do I get the next best choice that is close to me? And uh, that may not be as sustainably raised or as regenerative as I would like, but it's close by, right? Mm -hmm. So we opted for the first one. And so we have partnered with um, a few ranches that are outside of uh, Sonoma and Marin County, uh, for instance, Sunfed Ranch is out of Woodland, up by Davis. Right. Uh, Five Dot Ranch is out of Susanville, further up in the in the Cascade, um, and they just do a fantastic job of what they do in terms of how they raise their beef and how they raise their animals. And for us, the carbon footprint expansion was worth the trade off because they can supply enough meat at the quality that we demand and that our customers demand. Um, whereas locally we would have had to compromise our quality 
in order to keep a smaller carbon footprint, and I just wasn't willing to do that. I guess there's always a trade-off, and you've explained that very nicely, Adam. And then for your customers, are your customers as uh, as as interested in posing questions to you? And I guess on your website, there's a lot of this information available to to customers. I actually, I mean, we're in the process of building a new website right now that will be a little better organized. I've done it. Uh, I joke with my customers all the time that it's a good thing we've got great products because our technology is awful, um, <laughs> and we're uh, we're trying to address that now. Um, but um, I have always been very, very brief on the website. I've been very hesitant to produce flyers and brochures, and the reason is is because I like the conversation. I want to be able to talk to you one-on-one. I want my staff to be knowledgeable and be able to talk to you one-on-one when you come into our butcher shop or when you come to a farmer's market stand. I want to make sure that you're get, you understand that, that we know what we're talking about. Um, you need to trust me because you're going to pay a premium for buying meat through us, and you need, but you have to have ultimate trust in me that I am bringing you what I say I'm bringing you. Mm-hmm. Um, a perfect example is if you go into Whole Foods, they offer some really good meat in there. Um, they offer some locally raised grass-fed, grass-finished beef in there. The problem is they've got seven different varieties of beef that are in there from box beef out of the feedlots of Chicago mm. um, to a guy that I actually know raises beef just down the road from me. Um, they have Their staff has no idea what's what, and I, I can watch him put tags into meat that I know is not correct. Um, so you never know what you're getting there. They may sell you grass-fed, grass-finished beef, but you don't know that that's really it because there's no way to distinguish them. And they're not. They ever since Amazon bought them, they just don't really care about you know. As long as the number of pounds matches up, they're fine. So buying um, with me, so buying from I, you, yeah. So buying from you, the customer has the certainty that they're right. getting exactly what you tell them. There should be in that yes. box. Yeah, and that's the trust that we value more than anything else. I mean, that is my that's our capital is the trust that our customers have in us mm-hmm. and understanding that, you know, once I can build that trust with a customer, uh, they tend to stay with us for a very long time because it's valuable to both of us. Absolutely. Adam, why don't you share your website with our listeners? Because uh, I'm sure there are plenty of listeners out there. And now that I know that you deliver throughout the Bay Area and even ship, uh, I'm sure that there will be many listeners who'd be interested in following up and looking at your website. Sure. Uh, the website is Vic, V as in Victor, I-C, Farm, F as in Frank, A-R-M, Meets, M as in Mary, E-A-T-S dot com. Uh, my phone number is 707-332-332. 4605. That's my personal cell phone number. It's also our only business number. So you are welcome to use that if you have questions or just want to chat about what you heard today. Um, and Jim, I can do this as well. If any of your listeners want to give it a try, um, if they, <clears throat> excuse me, if they type in SF experience into the order notes, when they place an order, we'll take 10% off of that first order for them well, so that they get a little discount. Well, that's terrific. Thank you very much. I mean, uh, Membership has its privileges, right? <laughs> Absolutely. We got to take care of each other. Absolutely. Gonna... You know, you know, Adam, uh, in the few remaining minutes left to us here of our podcast, give us a sense of what's next for uh, for Victorian Farmstead, because it seems to me you have that you have that entrepreneurial drive and vision and energy to take this company to the next level. So what does the future look like for you guys, 2021, 22, 23? Where are you guys headed? 
We are, uh, we're very, one of the cool things that happened during this pandemic is my oldest son, our oldest son, Jackson, um, was at Oregon State, would have been a junior last year. And so he came home and decided to stay home and he opened up our warehouse for us and has been running that for us. And uh, it, there is, I don't know if there's anything more gratifying than having your kid working with you. Absolutely. Um, so he is handling that end of things, which is allowing me to concentrate on some other initiatives. The biggest one is we're building a new butcher shop, which will be in the same uh, marketplace that we're in now. Uh, we're going to move out of community market and into our own home uh, at the end of summer. Um, and that'll be about a 1500 square foot butcher shop. Um, and that will be a sight to behold. We're, we're making that really special. Um, I also mentioned that we're building a new website and that is probably the most practical thing we're doing in our growth, um, making a much, much more intuitive user experience so that, uh, when you go to the website, uh, it all, you know, makes it makes sense, flows quickly. Uh, customers will find that they have, um, controls that they didn't have before. And that will allow us to really expand what we do because the more efficiency, no matter how big or small your business is, the more efficient you are, the better. And uh, the more marketing you can do, the better. And, and that's really what, you know, kind of my wheelhouse is the, the marketing of it. And uh, I'm looking forward to being able to spend more time talking with customers, finding out what they want and bringing that to their doorstep. Um, and the more we can do that, the, I think the better it'll be for the business as a whole. Well, I'd really like to thank you, Adam, for joining us today and taking time from your busy life as an entrepreneur in building this business. And most importantly, demonstrating to our listeners that you've been able to make fantastic lemonade out of the lemons that COVID-19 presented you with. So bravo, congratulations. And I will make sure the next time that I'm, uh, I'm, up, at, uh, I'm up in Sebastopol, I'll stop by the community market and I'll make sure that uh, I know exactly where you're located on the corner of uh, Gravenstein Highway. And I think that's Mill Road, uh, Mill Station Road. Uh, I know exactly where you're located. So when the new shop is open, we will be among your first customers. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. Same here. And um, for my listeners, please take a moment to visit our website, www.thesanfranciscoexperiencepodcast.com and subscribe. It's free to do so. And a subscription ensures that future episodes will come directly to your inbox. You can also listen to the 150 previous episodes. You can peruse my blog, read excerpts from my book, send me a message or an email. This has been the San Francisco Experience with your host, Jim Herlihy, reporting to you from America's favorite city, San Francisco.